Hello there, it's the Religion and Ethics Report. Andrew West here on RN and ABC Listen. Are the vicars of England about to go on strike? That story's coming up. Now, ever since Vladimir Putin launched his war on Ukraine, he's pushed the idea that Russia faces a military threat from NATO expanding right up to Russia's border. But there's another motive at play. It's buried deep inside key Russian security documents. It's the doctrine of so-called spiritual security. Christina Stürkel is a professor at the Free University in Rome and she wrote about this doctrine in the Review of Faith and International Affairs. That national security strategy document, which has been issued in regular intervals since 2000, mentions spiritual, moral values as the basis of Russian security and national sovereignty. And shorthand, as researchers, we often refer to the spiritual security doctrine. One of the justifications given for the invasion of Ukraine by Putin and by state media has been that it's not really Russia that is attacking anyone, but Russia is being attacked. It is being attacked by the West. And the subtext is that Ukraine's orientation towards the European Union towards the West, towards NATO, puts at risk the Russian political model, which is one of autocracy, and the orientation towards the EU also puts at risk what Russia considers its traditional values, spiritual values like orthodoxy, because it strengthens secular parts of society. Vladimir Putin has also talked about the West's threat to Russia, primarily in geostrategic terms, you know, expanding NATO. But how has he also framed the West as being involved in a spiritual threat to Russia? From the perspective of Vladimir Putin, but also of Russian nationalists and the Russian Orthodox Church, the West has always been a threat. For Russia, because the West stands for a different set of values. It stands for individualism rather than collectivism. It stands for individual self determination rather than one strong state. It also stands for religious pluralism rather than a managed religious plurality with orthodoxy on the top. The West questions the Russian understanding of society, of what a good society is, and Ukraine orienting itself towards the EU and the West puts that Russian self-understanding at risk. How is the idea of spiritual security also connected with Russia's security apparatus? I mean, the FSB, the successor to the KGB. This is really a very interesting aspect that you're pointing out. In very material terms, The spiritual security doctrine is connected with the security apparatus through symbolism. So the Russian Orthodox Church providing chapels, icons, blessings to parts of the security apparatus, to people, to buildings. That is one way where you see this demonstrative proximity of the security apparatus and the Russian Orthodox Church. 
but this actually has roots that go back all the way to the 1980s, already during the perestroika period, when the Russian Orthodox Church was being rehabilitated in the public sphere as a foundation, as a source of national purpose for the Russian Federation as it was coming out of the Soviet Union. So there are clear ideological and also personal connections between the state apparatus and the Orthodox Church. When you say, uh, Christina, clear personal connections, are we talking here about something as basic as the fact that there were many Russian Orthodox priests who may well have been KGB agents? Yes, of course, because it takes two sides in order to have a partnership. And it's pretty clear that the Russian state coming out of the fall of the Soviet Union was in need of a new idea of national purpose. And it wasn't far-fetched to look to the Orthodox Church and religion as a substitute, but it was not immediately clear that the church would buy into that, because after all, the Russian state has been a source of repression for the church for generations during the Soviet Union. But you are right, many clergy, and we know that even Patriarch Kirill himself, actually collaborated with the security apparatus during the Soviet Union. Um, So this was a world they knew, and this was the world they accepted, and they accepted this cooperation between the church and the security apparatus. I found this particular phrase very interesting. How does the church in Russia give the FSB a sense of, quote, moral mission? The Russian Orthodox Church has settled on the narrative that Russia is special in the world, because it has the tradition of Orthodox Christianity that is different from Western Christianity. It has a trajectory that differs from the nation states in Europe and that it has a purpose also beyond the borders of the Russian Federation. So there's an imperial idea in the Russian Orthodox understanding of the Russian world, that world that covers Russian speakers also outside the borders of the Russian Federation. And this is a spiritual idea and a spiritual unity. Translated into political terms, this means that politically Russia tries to gain a foothold in these countries and interfere with these countries. In the worst case, as we've seen now in Ukraine, but we've seen it also before in Georgia, through military intervention. Yeah, and hasn't the Russian Orthodox Church even consecrated a cathedral in the name of the military? Did I read that? Yes, that's true. So at the height of COVID, the West was not paying attention, but it was in June 2021 that the military cathedral on the outskirts of Moscow was inaugurated for the armed forces. The cathedral is an interesting building with a striking iconography using spoils of war from the Second World War as parts of the decoration. The main idea here is that the victory over Nazi Germany in 1945 was an achievement not only of the Soviet state, which it was at the time, but of the entire Russian people. And this included also the Orthodox Church. And just finally on this point, uh, Christina, because it's so interesting, what has the Russian Orthodox Church done to the site of the old KGB headquarters right in the heart of Moscow? You're referring to the fact that at the Lubyanka, we now find a small chapel on the premises 
of that KGB headquarter. And that chapel really was inaugurated already over 20 years ago. At the time, the head of the FSB was Nikolai Patrushev, who is now the general secretary of the Russian Security Council. And he was personally very much interested in offering a space of worship on the premises of the FSB to the Russian Orthodox Church. And the speeches that were held on that occasion were also interesting because they inaugurated, let's say, before documenting this in, in legal documents, the idea of a spiritual security, of the need to cooperate in spiritual, religious terms for the security of Russia. This is the Religion and Ethics Report. Andrew West with you. I'm speaking with Professor Christina Stirkel. She's one of the world's leading experts on Russia, religion and politics. And we're discussing her recent article on Russia, Putin and spiritual security. Christina, you've talked about spiritual security placing the Russian Orthodox Church at the apex, at the top. It is important, though, to point out spiritual security in Russia under this doctrine does include other traditional religions in Russia, doesn't it? I mean, what are some of those? It is true that the spiritual security doctrine has the idea of a hierarchy of religions in Russia. So the Russian Orthodox Church, as the biggest church, is placed on the top. But then the Russian Muslim communities are also part of that doctrine, as are Russian Buddhist communities and other Christian religions. So Protestants, Baptists and Catholics, and of course also the Jewish community. But there is a clear hierarchy. The idea of spiritual security which thinks about pluralism in the country as being something that has to be carefully managed and controlled, is a rival to another understanding of security, that of comprehensive security, which is the one mostly endorsed by Western countries, which really starts from the idea that pluralism is a source of security. So equal rights and also equal representation actually make a state stronger and more secure. Whereas the spiritual security concept, which is the more traditional security concept we find in Russia, but also in other countries like China, the idea is that if you give security to someone or if you give rights to someone, then you will actually be taking away rights from someone else and this will create tensions. So the idea of the spiritual security doctrine is that of control, if need be of repression, Whereas a comprehensive security understanding in terms of religious pluralism would be that of equal treatment and rights. Um, Reading your piece in the Review of Faith and International Affairs, I was uh, intrigued to learn that one of the original motivations for the spiritual security doctrine was a fear of Western missionaries, principally missionaries coming from the United States. And I think people will be fascinated by this. On issues like the traditional family, wouldn't those Western missionaries be totally on the same page as the Russian Orthodox Church, at least today? Yes, and they still are. And I think that to a certain extent, the conservative family teaching that we have seen coming out of the Russian Orthodox Church in the last years is the fruit of the collaboration during the 1990s between the Orthodox Church and missionaries. I've written about that in my last book, co-authored with a Russian colleague, Dmitry Uslana, called The Moralist International, Russia and the Global Culture Wars. 
During the 1990s, the Russian law of religious freedom allowed the influx of missionaries from the West. So in the first half of the 1990s, many Orthodox actors weren't even unhappy about that because they felt that there was a big need for, let's say, re-evangelization or re-religionization of the nation that had been you know, militantly atheist for generations. But the good relations turned sour very quickly because the Russian Orthodox Church started to see these other Christian groups as competitors. And so in 1997, a new law on religious organizations was passed that made it very difficult for foreign missionaries to be active in Russia. This law has been implemented and even increased in the last year, so it's ever more difficult for foreigners to be operative in Russia and to missionize, for example. But in terms of ideas, in terms of teaching, many of the evangelical and conservative Christian groups that saw Russia, the former atheist Russia, as a mission territory and the Russian Orthodox Church actually agree. They are on the same plane, so to speak. They advocate for the traditional family. They advocate a very strict pro-life course, so against abortion. And they advocate for a strong state authority and patriarchy. Just finally, Christina, it should be said that um, some of the values that form part of the spiritual security shield, as it were, um, seem very good. I mean, you've, you've written about them here, love, loyalty, moderation, justice, solidarity, unity, family. They all seem very positive. What happens, though, when it pushes into issues like nationhood and patriotism? The list of values and their various lists indeed contain very little that is immediately off-putting or scandalous. This is a list also of truisms, because who would not want a society that is just, a society that is good for families? The difficult question, the tricky question is in the detail. Who gets to define justice? Who gets to define the independence of judges, for example? Who gets to define what a family is? Now, are single mothers a family? Are same-sex couples a family? Of course, in the Russian context, same-sex couples are not. The difficulty is in the detail. Christina, thank you for joining us on the Religion and Ethics Report. Thank you very much. Professor Christina Stirkel, her book is The Moralist International, Russia in the Global Culture War, and there's a link to her article at our webpage. And this is the Religion and Ethics Report, where you'll hear about the links between religion and the news that's shaping the world. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.